Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, yeah I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth. And then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth uh, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, guys, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Jeff. We were originally going to be live streaming over for members only over at uh, for GK plugged in. However, we were having some technical issues, so we hopped on over here to Facebook. So now we're just going out Facebook Live to everybody. So everybody go ahead and tune in. Um, and then as we are going along, uh, make sure that you guys are asking questions. And I just may ask our guest some of your questions. So post some comments and that sort of thing and uh, we will definitely um, we will definitely ask some of those and I'm sure that he'll be more than willing to answer uh, but before I introduce our guest uh, I wanted to let you guys know that we do have our membership program uh, GK plugged in um, and for ten dollars a month you guys can be members you get access to particular uh, podcasts that live stream as well as our pre-recorded podcasts like Battlefront Southgate the Schumann Show, um, and that sort of thing a week early. Uh, so make sure you guys tune into that. And we've also just launched our devotional uh, that you guys will get in your email uh, inbox every single Monday, and that's for members only. And then um, every single month will be a different topic. This month, I'm tackling the issue of the gospel, and so each week we're going to be focusing on that. There'll be a devotion, a, uh, a reading plan, and a memory verse each week. And then um, every month will be a new author, new topic, and uh, that way we can really kind of dive into a lot of these issues. So make sure you guys go sign up to that. Go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Uh, so I'm really excited about today because we were bringing back, uh, I'd, I have to say, one of my favorite guests. Uh, now for the third time, we've got Pastor Ken Peters from the Church of Planned Parenthood. So welcome back, Ken, and glad we, glad we could do this for a third time. Now now you're tied for the most times on the podcast. Wow, are you kidding me? Man, I feel I feel honored that you even have me back twice. The third time means like we must be friends and you must like me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, like like I always say you're probably the happiest guest that, that that we've had on and so it's it's always fun because I feel like we're both we're both like smiling and laughing the whole time, which I totally enjoy. Yeah, good good feelings everywhere, man. Good feelings. Yeah, you know, and, and the 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 cool thing is, and I know I know you've got you've got the branded uh, beanie on right now for the Church of Planned Parenthood. Um, but you know, that's that's something that you launched right after the very first time you were on Conversations, and it's really just like exploded ever ever since then. Like growing, you've got multiple now. You know, essentially campuses. You're at different places. It's like it's crazy. So what I want to do first for people that maybe haven't seen the other episode is explain what is the Church of Planned Parenthood and what gave you the idea to do this, th to run with this. You know, absolutely. So are you saying that I hadn't even started it yet when we had our first conversation? No, we were probably talking about something different, right? You, you, we. I think, I think we had talked. I think we were talking about. Uh, the Gospel Coalition, because I know that you know at that time you you know you had left the Gospel Coalition and all that, and then you had mentioned that you were going to be starting the Church of Planned Parenthood, but you Are hadn't you quite done it yet. Wow! So it was just a, it was just a seed in my heart at that time. Well, you know, I got the idea obviously like right before our first program together, 
and um, I just in the middle of a church service, we had a, we had a guy named Rusty Thomas speak at our church. He's the director Save America Rescue. I don't know if you remember that they used to like join arms. And back in the day, you're probably too young. Back when I was a kid, they would <laughs> they would lock arms together and block clinics, literally. And policemen would come and they'd be singing hymns. And the organizational, they don't do that um, much anymore uh, because it just got, I guess, it got too crazy uh, with the prison sentences and, and fines and the federal government really cracked down on them. And so um, basically, um, they, they uh, do other things. They street preach. They, they uh, stand at clinics and they plead with moms. And But anyway, the director of that organization came in and spoke at our church. Somebody had connected, a friend of mine named Jake had connected me up with them. He spoke at our church and, man, God gripped my heart in the middle of the sermon. He's a super intense preacher. Kind of reminds you of the old, like, like old fire and brimstone type guys, you know, back, back when I was good. There was a lot of that back then. And um, God grabbed my heart. And I got this idea because he was talking, he was going on about like, man, if for a pro-life ministry, for an abolish abortion ministry, get your church people down there, have them praying. If you got any preachers, have them preaching at the wall, got any worship leaders, have them like singing praise songs down there. And he he was going off on this almost like a a sermon kind of rant, if you know what I mean. And by the time he got done with it, I was sitting there and thinking, Man, that sounds like church. And he was preaching on the text that, that says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I started thinking, well, if there's any gate of hell, it would be the doors of Planned Parenthood, where, where parents and boyfriends and, and girls and moms are, 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 are unhappy with the pregnancy, with the life inside of the girl. And they bring that girl in, and then they, 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 they murder that baby. They kill that baby, and it's done legally. And then they leave, and you know they leave with the— you know, not feeling so good. You know, you know they leave with a, a unless they're completely given over, it, it affects them for the rest of their life. And and so I thought, well, let's take church to the gates of hell and see if the church will prevail. I, you and I both know that it will. We're gonna win. But I think if you let the gates of hell, Planned Parenthood, just just murder babies without anything there, um, then then I think darkness has its way. But when you show up with the light. When you show up with the light, darkness is confronted, and light light is stronger than darkness. So that's the church at Planned Parenthood. We're literally having church at Planned Parenthood. Now, we're not on their property. We're on the city property right next to Planned Parenthood. But like you said, Jeff, this thing went nuts. I thought it was going to be me and Mama, my wife, me and my wife, and, and maybe some deacons and elders that felt obligated to come because I was a crazy senior pastor. And And we went out there. The first service we had, we had almost 200 people, about 175 people at the first service. My wife teared up. I teared up. We couldn't believe it. We were expecting 20 people. We had 175. And last spring, man, we surged. We hit up to 650 was the, the count we got, 650 people. And and it just every service now we have over 300 people at least even in the freezing cold temperatures our last service in december we had over 300 and we held candles it's just a powerful powerful thing yeah well you know i I remember seeing photos on uh, i think it was on facebook and it's like there's like snow pouring and you know everybody's out in the freezing cold and steam coming you know it was it's i mean made made for some great photos but like at the same time too it's like it's it's just really cool to see everybody coming together for like a common purpose common goal and but the, the other thing that I like and that, that I know that I've mentioned before is that you're taking a, the completely opposite approach of the typical protesters at like abortion clinics. Right. So like a lot of times, you know, they come across very mean, very hostile. You know, they're yelling and screaming, holding signs that God hates you and all this kind of stuff. Whereas you guys are taking, the, I, I would say, the more positive approach. And it's we're going to worship God and we're going to teach and preach. I feel like that's a, that's a you know, it's a pretty good way of doing things. It's really hard to get too critical of people out there just having church. And you know what I found out? You don't have to do much more than have church. You get out there and you do praise and worship. You pray. You have sermons. You, we give offerings to uh, like uh, women in crisis type ministries. 
Um, it, you get out there. How do you throw a stone at that? Now, it's amazing. People still find a way because uh, people just want to be critical of, of, of everything so that people find a way. But it's really hard to criticize. We're just having church, brother. We're worshiping God. We're, we're doing whatever we do on Sunday morning. We're doing out there right at Planned Parenthood. People love it. Americans know how to have church. We, we got churches on every a block almost. You know, there's churches everywhere. We know how to have church. We're good at it. We know how to sing songs. We know how to preach. We know how to take offerings. <laughs> People are really good at taking offerings these days. <laughs> but you know what? We're good at church. So why not take what we're good at? Go down to Planned Parenthood. Nobody can accuse you of being mean or vitriol or angry or nasty. We're just worshiping God. And how many church services do you have? Police cars, because we got protesters. And, and, and the police make them go to the other side of the street. And so they're yelling and banging and, and they got megaphones. And, and how many church services do you have like eight police cars with their lights on? Police barricades set up the morning before you have your service. I mean, I got the coolest church in town, Jeff. I, I got police. I got barricades. I got, I got multiple pastors. We got uh, many churches involved. People want to do more than just vote, Jeff. They want to do more. We know that we're murdering kids. We know we got a Holocaust going on in our nation. Just voting and speaking out once in a while isn't enough for people. This gives people an outlet to do something more than just the normal. And yet it's like you said, it's non-vitriol. It's non-violent. It's confronting with praise and worship. And so our theme is, this is how we fight our battles, worship. We're fighting the devil with praise. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a better way of doing that. I mean, I mean, now, now when you think about it, like half jokingly, I mean, you've got you've got your built-in light show with, with the police cars right there. So I mean, totally. you, you've you've Absolutely. got the lights going, you got you've got everything going. Yeah, so <laughs> absolutely, it's 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 just it's been a phenomenon. And then, like you mentioned before at the beginning. They're starting all over the country. We've got a couple of them in uh, in uh, Indianapolis. We got them. They're sprouting up all over Washington. I'm meeting with some people in Olympia uh, this this week or next week, I should say. And they want to start one in Olympia. I got somebody just called me from Colorado Springs. They want to start one up there. It, it just isn't dying, Jeff. I think it looks like, I mean, God is sovereign. God will do what he will do. Uh, but it looks like it's just going to keep spreading. And it's what what a cool thing that this little idea from a pastor way up in Spokane, Washington, has begins to sweep the country. Uh, and it's I'm just I can't even believe it. Honestly, I can't believe it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I think part of what what resonates, I think, with people in general about it is that it is it's it's confrontational and non-confrontational at the same time. And, exactly. And, and I, and what a I, mix. Yeah, you know, and, and it, it, it's a really interesting, you know, combination because I think that it's really easy for like a particular sect of Christianity to go out, and it's really easy for them to yell and scream. It's really easy for them to condemn, right? It's like we're going to condemn the world. We hate them. God hates the world. You know, all that kind of stuff, right? No, John three sixteen. Exactly. You know? <laughs> but I think, but I think that the the nice thing about, about about why I think that it is spreading is because people feel like they can go and yeah. they they can. You guys are basically showing love is really what absolutely. it comes down to. You know what I mean? And and the thing, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I and I think part of that too is that when you're when you're dealing with the contrast between you've got you guys on one side of the street, praise and praise and worship, preaching positivity honoring God and then you've got the protesters on the other street that are angry and I'm sure being vulgar and just going full on the opposite direction you can see the contrast between people that have the Holy Spirit in their lives and people that don't and to me it's very obvious it's a very obvious thing because it's right there for everybody to see bro it's it's funny that you say that because like police officers the police love us the police love us because they, 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 they've seen us enough times to know what we do and what we're about, that we're there just to have church and worship. But one of the main police officers came to us and said, you know what? I went home tonight and I told my son, I just saw the difference between light and darkness. And you definitely want to be on this side of things. And that would, of course, 
is our side. I mean, it's hilarious. These guys, ironic, they're holding up signs with rainbows, you know, for their drag queen deal and their LGBTQ stuff. They're holding up these signs that say God is love. And while they're holding up a sign that says God is love with their LGBT symbol, they're screaming at you and cursing at you. <laughs> it, it's so ironic. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's hilarious. Yes, so you see the city that is set on a hill. Jesus said, don't hide the light, the city on a hill, under a basket. Don't put it under a bushel. Let it so shine before men that they might see you and see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And you literally see that come into fruition, into reality right there at Planned Parenthood. In the darkest of places, you see the brightest of lights. And it's thrilling to be a part of it. Every time we go, I I can't sleep for a day or two because I'm just so uh, buzzing with excitement and adrenaline. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in the the other point that I did want to make about kind of on this topic too is when you think about it, when the majority of the people that they'll go protest at Planned Parenthood, right? And they kind of make a ruckus or they've got their megaphones, you know, practically yelling at people, right? And it's very negative. And then it's really easy for the world to look at them and say, see, you're why I don't want to be a Christian because you're being mean, you're being condescending, you're being rude. That's not who I want to be, right? Whereas then you, and, and also too, it's like they're almost taking the same approach that your protesters are taking, you know, the people that are protesting you. It's like there's almost no difference between the Christian and the non-Christian there. But then when you've got a positive experience like the Church of Planned Parenthood versus the world's response to that, it's to me, it's, again, it's it's light and darkness. It's completely separate. It's it's so obvious, the difference. And it's really cool that even the police officers are, are seeing the difference themselves. Yeah, you know, we, we tapped into the best of both worlds because it's good to do something about the Holocaust. But but you don't you want to be very careful with how you portray Christ. And so it's the best of both worlds where we are confronting darkness, but we're doing it with 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 the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control. And so when you confront with the fruit of the spirit, it's a powerful thing. It, it's, it's so much more powerful than fighting in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I think then we kind of come into a little bit of what's the Christian's responsibility in dealing with this issue of being pro-life and abortion and, you know, protecting all life, right? Because because I think what ends up happening is everybody everybody feels like, okay, I went out and voted. It didn't really do anything. It's really hard to get people feeling motivated to go out and do something if they feel like they keep voting and voting and nothing happens or they vote in pro-life candidates and nothing happens. Like like as as believers, like what what are we supposed to do on on the regular um in order to combat this issue? Yeah, well we, you know, we've got to do more and I think I think pro-lifers have kind of become soft and they, they uh, not all of them, but a lot of them have become soft in the sense that, hey, let's just, you know, let's just try to get a little bit of ground and maybe vote again and maybe we get another Supreme Court justice, you know, just in time for that justice to go liberal. It's like those Supreme Court justices put put on the 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 robe and they immediately get leftism in, in the blood. I don't know what happens to them, but my goodness. Most of the Supreme Court justices have been put on there, on the Supreme Court, by Republican presidents. And, and then they just slide left, kind of like kind of like TGC and, and much of the, the church today. It's like, come on, man. Everything always slides. Gravity pulls you towards leftism. And so now we're saying no more. I, we're saying no. Abortion is murder from the moment of conception until birth. And we're not going to be okay with any of it. We're not going to be okay with any of it from the moment of conception till the moment of birth. It's murder. It's wrong. And Jeff, I'm telling you, buddy, it's exciting. Six states and more, and even in Idaho, coming up this next session, there is a bill in committee that would make Idaho 100% abortion-free if we can get it out of committee 
and, and voted on by the pro-life legislature, we'll find out if they're really pro-life. And there are six senators or representatives that are, that are I think it's representatives, that are co-sponsoring this abolition bill that would abolish abortion completely. And Idaho would become a sanctuary state or, what, or however you put it. There would be no abortions allowed in Idaho. We are getting close to a state defying the Supreme Court and saying, no, we're not going to let nine men in robes dictate the morals for the state of Idaho or Oklahoma or wherever. We are going to make our own laws. See, the Supreme Court can make rulings on laws. They can give opinions on laws. But the Supreme Court doesn't make laws in a state. Legislators make laws. And I think states are starting to wisen up and go, wait, why are we all bowing? to the throne of these nine-headed king monster, this nine-headed king monster that's tyrannical and de defining the morals of our country, we as a state are going to make our own state laws. And states are starting to catch on to this. And brother, can you believe it? Six representatives in Idaho have co-sponsored a bill to abolish abortion, and it's coming up uh, into the committee right this next session. So it's exciting times. I feel like I'm in the days of, of Abraham Lincoln when um, slavery was abolished. I'm feeling like we're in those same kind of times right now. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and I feel like it's kind of coming to head because I, when, when you think about it, the, the country's split. You know, you've got, you've got the people, you've got a, a smaller percentage of people that want to ban abortion altogether. You've got a small percentage of people that want to keep it all the way up until birth or, you know, sometimes even after birth, which is insanity, right? And then you've got the the majority that's in the middle that's kind of like let's regulate it. You know what I mean? Right. Let let's let's limit it. You know, let's not necessarily get rid of it altogether. And I think a lot of that is because we keep hearing especially from the democratic side is but what happens in the case of rape, incest and you know, and that sort of thing or what happens in the case of the life of the mother or you know, those kinds of things. And so it's kind of like the majority of Americans are like, well, we don't want to ban it in those instances. So what what's your response to like that middle ground majority of America where they're like, well, we don't want abortion up until birth, but at the same time, we don't want to ban it altogether. Like what's, what's your response as like a pastor dealing with this issue? Yeah, I think in these last times, in these end times, uh, in this day in America, God is eliminating the middle. I'm seeing the middle right now is is going away, and people are starting to say, "Wait a second, is the is this a life or is it not? Is this a baby or is it not?" And if it is a baby, there is no excuse to murder a baby. And yes, my goodness, it's I mean, in cases of a rape, now it's a very low low percentage of of babies that that come because of rape, but in those cases. I say we ought to execute and criminalize the rapist, not the innocent baby. We, the, 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 if anybody should die, it should be the one that raped this woman, that, that horrible, horrible individual that raped that woman. And he should face a severe penalty. Why are we putting his penalty on the baby who has done nothing wrong, will have no trial, cannot be declared guilty by a judge or jury. They are innocent as far as having lived their life and committing some sort of crime and been convicted for it. Why are we punishing this baby with the death penalty instead of the rapist? So I think what I'm sensing, and I've been a pastor's kid and a pastor for years, what I'm sensing is there is a groundswell, uh, a grassroots movement that I am seeing with my own eyes happening that is saying no to abortion ever it shouldn't happen under any circumstance it's either a life or it isn't and if it's a life it has the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness not only under the laws of god but under the laws of our own constitution yeah yeah now we, we've got a question from somebody here on on facebook so we've got shana who asked pastor ken do you see this spreading worldwide eventually you know what? Usually things that happen in America 
end up spreading to the to the uttermost parts of the earth. So I do. I see. I'm seeing it creep in in the United States uh, more and more. It's just it's not dying, and if it keeps spreading, yes, I do see that the rest of the world who is practicing abortion, um, the the world follows America. That's what's been so uh, heartbreaking about the direction that Hollywood has taken not only the United States, but the entire world in, in immorality and in violence. You know, it's so funny, a little off subject, but Hollywood promotes violence and immorality, and then, and then they want to take away our guns to defend ourselves against all the violence that they've, uh, you know, gotten to get going, you know, with, with all their promotion of it. So, yeah. yeah, no, I think it will go worldwide. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting, but what's interesting too about about this issue of dealing with abortion, like other countries too, was I believe it was the Democratic town hall when uh, they were talking about uh, like climate change, and Bernie Sanders was up there, and he and he mentioned that one that one of the ways that we that we can combat climate change is to make abortion more readily available in places like South America where it's where it's not maybe not as readily available and that we need to do that in order to eliminate the greenhouse gases apparently coming off of humans that's creating global warming. You know, it's like population control kind of stuff, right? And there, there's literally no blowback from anybody on the Democratic side at all about somebody that says something that outside the bounds of common logic at all, right? So so it's like when you're looking at like the Democratic Party, I mean obviously the Republicans have their problems, right? Republicans have their problems. They don't always follow through on things and that sort of thing. But if you're going to pick a party where you've where you've at least got a shot, it's got to be the Republican Party, not the Democrats because there's not a single pro-life candidate up there. So then that leads us into the, the issue of should abortion be that one issue that, that Christians always have to vote for in every circumstance? Like, like are we one-issue voters, or should we be? You know, it, it all depends on if you believe a baby is a human being. But if you believe an unborn baby in the womb is the same thing as a five-year-old, and they were murdering five-year-olds at the local healthcare clinic, then that would definitely be the main issue. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a single issue voter, but I am a primary issue voter. And just like slavery was the primary issue in Lincoln's day, abortion for a Christian should be a primary issue. And I don't mean to go on a little side rant here, but I know that you would have no problem with it. People like Beth Moore and J.D. Greer, one of the ways you can tell that they are being infected with liberalism and leftism is they make abortion the equivalent of like maybe racism in somebody's heart. Really? Are you telling me, you know, somebody might not hire you and that's the equivalent of, of uh, like, Killing, murdering a young child? There's there's just no comparison. Just like slavery was so awful. It was so awful as far as justice and 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 the, our constitution and what America stands for. That was by far the primary issue in Abraham Lincoln's day. So if you are a Christian Beth Moore, and if you are a Christian uh, J.D. Greer and Tabidi, and everybody out in TGC, basically, and, and half of the SBC, if you're a Christian, then, and you believe that the unborn, that you believe that Jesus was actually a baby in Mary's womb, and that when John the Baptist left for joy in his mother's womb, he was actually John the Baptist. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, then abortion, I believe, Jeff, this is going to be an extreme statement. I don't think so. Abortion is the primary issue, and we ought to, as Christians, have in our mindset that we will not vote for anybody if they do not at least proclaim to be pro-life. They are off. They are off the options table. But I'm telling you, Beth Moore thinks it's an option. J.D. Greer thinks it's an option. Some of these TGC guys, they think it's an option. 
to vote for a pro-abortion person. So I, so I can vote a Nazi if I want to, just because of, of some other. No, we can't vote Nazi. We can't do it. We we are pro-Bible, and and that takes. So yeah, I'm a primary issue voter. I care about the other things, but nothing compares to abortion in our day and age. Yeah, well, you know, like you like you're ta- like you're naming some of these people, right? And and you know they, they've they've got a pretty big fan base and you know people like them and follow them and they think that they're you know great christian leaders and that sort of thing but what's interesting to me is that they're willing to take stands like hardcore stands dig their heels in the ground and fight to the death on these like secondary quote-unquote social justice issues right so much so that tabidi was willing i believe in his own words and i don't i don't want to misquote him but so i'm paraphrasing but you can, but you guys can go pull up the the uh, go pull up the quote. I'll try to link it, it down below. But Tabidi literally said that he was willing to uh, sacrifice ending abortion in order to deal with the issue of uh, like white privilege or racism in America, in, in and get Hillary Clinton elected over Trump. Like he was literally willing to sacrifice abortion in order to get Hillary elected, and it's like. In the grand scheme of things, what's more what's more important? Like I'm like I'm like I'm not saying, and I don't I don't want to get in trouble for saying that oh racism is as important. It clearly is. No, it's horrible. It's horrific, it's horrible. right? But when you're when you're prioritizing, it's like there's there's no comparison. There's no comparison, and Tabidi and these other guys they they don't really believe. They don't really believe what they say they believe. They believe the unborn is an actual human being. That's what they say they believe. I think they actually do believe that, but they haven't brought it to its logical conclusion. They're not really seeing it as the equivalent of murdering a five-year-old at the local clinic down the street in their town. Jeff, do you think Tabidi would just sit around if they were taking black babies, black kids, black five-year-olds, they were taking black five-year-olds into clinics in his town and killing them. What do you think Tabidi would be doing? His doctrine says that the unborn three-month-old in the womb who is taken to a clinic, the black baby, and being murdered in that clinic, he's making it of lesser value. But his doctrine says they're the same. So so it's inconsistent, it's non-integral, and Tabidi, Tabidi doesn't really believe his own doctrine, not to its logical conclusion. So yeah, yeah it, I'm against racism. The most racist thing you could do is take black babies into a clinic and have them murdered. And statistics show that the reason Planned Parenthood was started anyway was was to kill black babies. And, and so the most racist thing that we could ever do as a nation is is abortion. More black children are being killed percentage-wise than white children. That's what the statistics uh, say. So, yeah, I hate racism. and the, the But it doesn't compare. Racism in the heart of man, which can only be cured by God, it does not compare with the actual murdering of kids in the womb. And Tabidi and Beth Moore's doctrine says it's the same thing as a five-year-old. But tell me what they would be doing if they were killing five-year-old black babies, they'd be at that clinic. They'd probably be one of those mean, mean uh, uh, protester people if that was going on. Yeah, they'd be they'd be doing whatever they could to stop it. So I think they're hypocrites. I think they're barking up the wrong tree. I think their discernment is is out left field, and I think they need to get a grip uh, because real Christians and evangelicals are going to eventually have nothing to do with them if they don't change quick. Yeah, well, you know, like the, the, those guys are off the rocker on a lot of issues too, but but especially but especially this one where they're not they're not willing to actually take a stand, and that, and, that, and that's that's the discouraging thing I think for for a lot of Christians looking at their looking at their leaders is that it's like they're not willing to take a stand on the issues that are most important, right? Yeah, it's it's like yeah. they're they're, will, they're willing to have a conference to deal with subconscious racism. Right, but they're not willing to have a conference on abortion. They're willing to have a conference on gender inequality or income inequality, 
but they're not willing to protect life. And I think that that there's this disconnect that people are like, okay, you're giving lip service to being pro-life, but when, when, when push comes to shove, what are you actually doing? And I think that's the thing that people are like, what is going on here? Yeah, how many, how many uh, abortion conferences or church conferences do you see revolving around the issue of abortion? I, I don't see uh, any conferences having 5,000 pastors show up and the whole issue is abortion. And then they march those 5,000 pastors outside of that conference and get down to a Planned Parenthood or some clinic that's murdering babies and have a worship service there or a prayer service or, or a memorial service or a candlelight, anything. You don't see the church emphasizing abortion. You know why I think it is? It's because it's a controversial subject. It's become a political subject, but it's not political. This is biblical. This is, this is not political. And if preachers were Bible people, I'm sorry, I get a little passionate about this, but if believers, if pastors were Bible-believing people, they'd get out of their pew at the conferences, get down to Planned Parenthood, and, and be active in this area. But I think we don't really believe, or they don't believe, it's not me, I, I, I believe it, they don't really believe what they say they believe on paper, which is, an unborn child is an actual human being the same as a five-year-old. Yeah, well, you know, and, and, I think, and I think part of it comes down to it's like people need something physically that they're able to see, feel, touch, yep. whatever it is. And because they can't, it's like, it's like there's this disconnect to a certain degree. And I think that that's part, that's part of the problem, I think, with a lot of people is it's like it's just not as important because you literally see the little kid over here that's five years old, but you don't right. see – the, the baby before it's born. And I think and I right. think that might be part of the disconnect too. Right. And yet we are people of the book. We don't go by what we see the Bible says. We are people of the unseen. We look to the things that are unseen, like heaven. You can't see heaven and we, we're going to heaven. We can't see the Holy Spirit, but we believe in the Holy Spirit. So Bible preachers of all people should be people that don't go by what they see. To your point, I can't see that baby in the womb. I can see a five-year-old, but it doesn't matter because I'm a book. I'm a person of the book. I'm a preacher of the book. I believe the book. And so my Bible says that an unborn child is the same as a five-year-old. So I'm going to live that way, but we don't. We aren't living that way, Jeff, as the church of Jesus Christ. We're not living that way. And so we get all caught up in all these woke things like Beth Moore, and all, these hipster woke issues. So we're cool and abortion's not cool. It's a controversial subject and we might offend a Democrat, God forbid, and we might chase a Democrat out of our churches, God forbid. Listen, Jeff, I don't even want Democrats in the church unless they repent. You could be in my church for a while, but you need to repent for being a Democrat. And, and, and I'm not saying you have to be a Republican, but you at least got to believe what the Republican plant platform stands, and you can't vote for baby-killing politicians who are even uh, okaying baby after birth, like infanticide. I'm, I'm telling you, the left has lost its mind. It's no longer uh, what is left and what is right. It's now what is right and what is wrong in our nation, and uh, these, are, these are crazy times. Yeah, well, you know, you, you, you mentioned, hey, there, there, there's no abortion conferences. Maybe, maybe, we'll have to, maybe we'll have to fix that. <laughs> you know what? Abs let's do it. Yeah. Let, let's, we need a movement. The church has got to wake up, Jeff. The reason abortion is still going on in America is because we're building our mega churches. We want, we want butts in the seat. We want, uh, we want money in the offering and talking about abortion doesn't help building my own church and building my own kingdom. And after all, it's all about my church and it's all about me being a celebrity. I want to be a celebrity preacher. And if I talk about abortion, that's not going to help me get there. And so the church has really, I think, cowered to the love of money and the love of success instead of the love of righteousness and justice in our land. So I think the church has got to rise up, and if we had conferences, we got down to Planned Parenthood. We did the church at Planned Parenthood in our own way. You don't have to do it my way, Church of Jesus Christ. 
do it your way. Do it the Baptist way. Do it the Methodist way. Do it the Pentecostal way, like me. Whatever you want to do, but 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 do it. Let's be active. So anyway, as you can tell, I'm a little bit fired up about this. No, I mean you know, I, to a certain degree, we need we need to be, and that and that and that's the thing. But but I but I think also too is like there's there's this disconnect. I think of let's get people motivated to go out into the world because I think what's happened. I know I've talked about this before, where I think that within the church over the last couple of decades is the pastors have been reinforcing that evangelism is bringing the world into the church, right? It's invite your friend to church. And that's that's practically evangelism in their mind. And I'm like, yeah, not, not quite so much. Like biblically speaking, the church is supposed to be for believers. And then you, as the pastor, Ken, you're training up your congregation to go out into the world and to, and to do ministry, right? Which is like what you're doing with the Church of Planned Parenthood. You're going out into the world, right? It's like the thing is, is that I think what's happening right now is the guys in, in the Gospel Coalition, they don't want to offend the Democrats and send them away. But it's like, well, first, maybe what we need to do is we need to get them saved and then bring them into the church. They shouldn't even be in the church in the first place. Like they need to hear the gospel. And, and that's that's a part of this disconnect is that it's been reinforced that we have to make church welcoming to everybody. It's like, well, no, it's supposed to be welcoming to, to believers, and there's a difference. You know, that's another great thing. Sorry to plug the church at Planned Parenthood, but um, that's another great thing about the church at Planned Parenthood. We're getting outside the church walls, and we're taking God, the gospel out to the streets. So, yes, you're right, evangelism should, I think, happen primarily outside of the church walls with crusades, with one-on-one evangelism, with street witnessing done in the right way, um, with going out and having church at Planned Parenthood. Man, that's that's called letting our light shine. That's, that's, what, be, that's what an evangelist is. But it's a lot easier to build my mega church and in the comfort of my own church and our own pews and, and bring in the money and then, hey, let me let me preach the wonderful sermon. I'll get everybody saved. No, every believer should be leading someone to Christ on a regular basis, at least giving it their best effort. So I agree with you completely, Jeff. You are spot on. Evangelism means you go out and get the lost. Pastoring is what should happen in the churches where where primarily believers meet and the pastor is building up the church through the word of God and and in the church confines. So I agree with you 100%. Yeah, because I mean, you know, like the, the interesting thing is, is like I've talked to different pastors and, and even people that go to different churches and that sort of thing. And, they, and, they, and a lot of them will say that, well, the pastor has to do everything because the church isn't motivated and they're not, you know, whatever. And, and I'm thinking, well, maybe what maybe what they need to do is they need to be equipped they need to be trained. They need not just be not just be constantly being saying you need to go out and you need to do this. But maybe it's it's not actually getting down into their heart. We need to preach from the word and let the Holy Spirit get into people's hearts and then go out into the world and do ministry whether it's one-on-one, whether it's actually start, starting an organization, starting a movement, it, preaching, uh preaching the gospel, whatever it is, but it's like at a certain point I think that's what's missing from the church today is there's a lack of preaching, of actually preaching God's word and actually equipping people to go out into the world. Because it's so much easier just to invite your friends to church and pack a room because you've got a great rock show and uh, and an entertaining pastor. And sorry, that's not quite the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, and then what happens also as a result is the church gets lazy. And, and Man, I can't hardly get anybody, any churches. There's, uh, thank God we've got 15 to 20 uh, good pastors and good churches here in Spokane. I'm sure there's more. I just haven't found them yet. But, but overall, especially the big mega churches, they're lazy. They, they, they don't want to get out there and do anything active. And I get accused of being an activist pastor. But, you know, no, I'm not an activist pastor. I just got active after 20 years of just building the church the normal American way, and then God moved upon my heart about the unborn, and after 20 years, God moves on my heart about the unborn, and I thought, I got to do something more if I'm really going to say that they are uh, actual human beings, and so I did something active. Hey, listen, 
active isn't bad. Works, in my Bible, is the proof that you have faith, the Bible says. You're saved by grace through faith alone. But if you have faith, there will be good works that come out in your life. So yeah, to your to your point again, um, I think you're spot on. We got to equip people to be active, get out of those church walls. The church should be like the huddle before the play, right? So in football, it's, it's the playoffs right now. And go Seahawks, by the way. Go Hawks. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got the Packers coming up this week. But but the, the Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, they have a, a huddle. And then when the huddle is done, they go out and then they run the play. Church ought to be the huddle where we get together. We talk about the play. What are we going to do, church? Now let's go play the game. Yeah, it, that, that that's a great way to pl- that's a great way to put it. And also, too, is that typically you're in the huddle less than you're actually out on the field playing. You know, yeah. We, yeah. when you think about it, you sh- you're going to church on Sunday. That's Sunday. Maybe maybe you're going Wednesday night, but the rest of the week you're you're out in the playing field, and it, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I mean that's what's so powerful about the worship when we worship at Planned Parenthood is you're worshiping out there in the battle. Being in the safe space of our own church, and we call that the battle, that's not the battle. That's the huddle. That's the meeting before the battle. The battle is when you get out there on Monday and you go to work. There's a battle there. The battle is when you're in the world but not of it. See, when you're at church, you're you're in church and of church. There's no world in there unless the pastor is totally worldly that's a possibility nowadays but but you know it's 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 all kingdom of god primarily in the church so for us to be in the world but not of it we got to be in the world but not being affected by the world but being that light and that witness to the world so you're hitting a you're hitting a spot that is that is a huge problem in the kingdom of god and that's why you can't get christians out there confronting abortion in a loving, kind, sweet way is because we've gotten lazy and we're just letting the pastor and the megachurch do all the work of evangelism. And it ought not to be that way. Yeah, no, that's really true. But I I think something else that I think that you and I should kind of cover is as we're leading up to this election season, right? Got all, all the Democrats that are out there that are running for president, right? None of them are pro-life at all. I don't even know if any of them actually want to even restrict abortion at all. I think they're all pretty much abortion up to, up until birth. Um, but the the other aspect of this is that you've got a lot of the leadership in the Gospel Coalition and the Southern Baptist Convention, especially, that are like leaving the door open for people to vote Democrat, right? And 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 I think part of the problem with that is it's like you can't be a one issue voter. Right. And so we have to look at the grand scheme of things and look, well, the Democrats, they're trying to be more helpful. They're trying to, you know, give people money. They're trying to take from the wealthy, give to the poor, fix all these irreconcilable differences, like whatever it is. Right. But but I think as we're looking at it, a lot of Christians, it's like they don't want to vote for Trump because of how polarizing he is and how offensive he is and some of the nasty things that he said and how he conducts himself and that sort of thing. But on the, on the, at the same time, he's probably been one of the most pro-life presidents we've had. And But then on the flip side, we've got a bunch of nice guys, if you want to call them that, on the Democratic side that are a lot more polished and clean and their Twitter feed is, is – there's no vulgarities or no anger or whatever it is. But they're against the pro-life movement, right? So it's this kind of conundrum of Christians is like, well, I want to go with a nice guy, but there's for everything that I don't stand for or I go with the mean guy – but he's standing for what I believe in. It's like, now, Pastor Ken, decipher this for me. Yeah, it's called really, really, really dumb Christians. That's what it's called. The devil is a nice guy. The devil, when he came up to Eve in the garden, he wasn't yelling at her, screaming at her, being a a jerk to Eve. The devil came up to Eve and acted like her friend. The devil acted like he wanted to give Eve a promotion. He said, oh, God, God, what? he's just trying to hold you down, Eve. Man, I'm, I'm in it for you. And so you, the devil is a sweet talker. Obama was a sweet-talking, evil, evil man. He's the guy that allowed the White House 
to be lit up uh, like the rainbow promoting uh, homosexuality. Obama was the guy that was in charge of changing the definition of marriage in our country. He pushed that. Obama supported Planned Parenthood uh, with, with all of his heart. This is an evil, evil, sweet-talking man. And I think Christians who are being led astray by, by horrible preachers with terrible discernment are being led into thinking that if you're a sweet talker, you're somehow a good guy. Hey, I know, I know Trump has his flaws, but so do I, and so do you. But everything that Trump is standing for, mostly, he's not perfect, but most of the things he's standing up for are biblical, like life, like uh, religious liberty, like small government, uh, like the, the right to defend ourselves, like the, the good and having borders. These are all biblical concepts. Heaven has borders. Uh, Israel had borders. Yes, they, we love immigrants. We love the strangers, but it ought to be done with borders. And so the, the Republican platform and the platform of President Trump is biblical. The platform of the Democrat Party is satanic. They're killing babies. They're promoting homosexuality and immorality of every kind. They're, they, they hate God. They took God out of the platform uh, terminology. They are, they are anti-God, anti-God. They're literally satanic. Like I said, it's no longer left and right. It's right and wrong. So no, you, cannot, you can be a Christian and vote Democrat, but you, you can't be a smart Christian and a discerning Christian or a good Christian and vote Democrat. The only way you can be a Christian and vote Democrat is to be a dumb Christian. That's the only way. Yeah, well, you know, like, and I think, and I think, what ends up happening a lot of times in these kinds of conversations is, well, people will say no Christian could ever do X, Y, or Z. No Christian could ever vote Democrat and still be a Christian, right? And and that's one of those things I don't want to go so far and say because yeah. a, you can't lose your salvation, and b, your salvation is not based on your works, right? So, I mean, you you look at King David; he messed up horrifically. He didn't lose his salvation. Right, and I think, and I think that we need we need to remember that. But at the same time, we don't use that as an excuse in order to vote Democrat. And and I think that's the difference. You're not losing your salvation by going there, but that doesn't make it right. That still means that you're sinning, right? right. Like if you're now, vo- you if you're want- voting Democrat, I mean, yeah. would you say that that's sinning and that should be? I I've heard some people go so far as to say that that would be something that a church should perform church discipline on. Uh, maybe I, I think voting Democrat is a sin, but like you said, your salvation isn't based on voting Republican. You're saved by grace through faith in who? Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for our sin. That's what your salvation is 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 uh, built on. So you don't lose your salvation for Demo- voting Democrat. Now remember. I'm a Wesleyan. We think you can lose your salvation every day and get it back the next day. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but we both agree on that you're saved by grace through faith, not by works. So voting Democrat or not voting Democrat doesn't make you a Christian. But you're a terrible Christian if you're voting for people that promote baby killing. Either that or you are a dumb, ignorant Christian that needs – somebody to to speak the truth to you and help you out hit you upside of the head and let you know that the democratic party these days i'm not talking 40 years ago i'm not talking 50 years ago these days brother the 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 democrat party is the is the party of infanticide of homosexuality of supporting supporting a muslim terrorist uh, instead of the, the United States of America and defending our own troops and our own embassy, these sympathizers for a terrorist leader who has murdered hundreds and hundreds, and yet they'll kill innocent babies in the womb. The left, Jeff, has gone mad, and you could be a stupid, dumb, undiscerning Christian and vote Democrat, but you can't be a smart one and a discerning one and love America truly and, and, and be that kind of a, uh, a Christian. 
Yeah. You know, so well, you know, like, you know what what's what's crazy is that we've even got like we've even got non Christians that are seeing through this stuff, right? And people like like you you have somebody that doesn't have the Holy Spirit and like this this is nuts. What's going on with the left right now? You know, it's like there's no consistency. There's no actual and a lot of that is that is that the left has gone very atheist. It's very it's so anti-god that it's not religious so they have no moral base. They've got no moral compass. They've got nothing to rely on for their morality except whatever is in their heart. It it's like a flashback to Genesis in Noah's day. I mean, everybody's just doing whatever's right in their own sight and you know, same thing with Israel, same thing with, you know, multiple times throughout history. It's they they're, they're not obeying God. They're not obeying even if they're not a Christian, but they're not even obeying the morality of the Judeo-Christian morals, you know? And I think that's part, that's part of the problem right now is that we've got this division to where even non-Christians are seeing this. Like, like you know, I like listening to Dave Rubin. He's not a Christian. Uh, he's gay, you know, so he's definitely got some issues that he needs to, you know, deal with and repent, get right with God and that sort of thing. But even, you know, I've seen his tweets and he's like, yeah, these people are nuts, like, like, how can you, like, on one hand, you've got, you've got the left that's like, we need to protect all the animals, and we need to save the animals, and, you know, we need to protect, you know, the terrorists, because, you know, like, they're people too, but then it's like, then they'll turn around and kill a baby, and it's like, how in the world does this even make sense? It just, it baffles my mind. Yeah, leftism is a poison, and, and it, it grows once it gets in. And that's why we see entire denominations splitting now. Like John Wesley, I mentioned I'm Wesleyan. John Wesley's beloved Methodist uh, church movement, which became a church denomination, is now splitting. The United Methodists are splitting over the issue as to whether or not you're going to follow the Bible. And that's what that's a perfect example of what leftism will do to entire denominations and church organizations it's got into our country and it never gets better it gets worse and worse dark gets darker and darker and darker and it always slides that way that's why you're going to start seeing after homosexual homosexual marriage you're going to start seeing multiple partner marriages you're going to start seeing a pedophilia becoming one of the lgbtq it'll probably be lgbtqp i mean it's it's coming you know, where, where we're going to uh, justify the most evil of sins. So leftism has the world and America and the Democrats in America going mad. They'll vote against anything Trump. They, they just hate the guy so much that they don't care what he stands for or what he promotes. They're going to fight him. So I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the world especially with leftism has gone mad. Yeah. Yeah, which and, and again to kind of bring bring it full circle a little bit, but you know, bring it back to, you know, cuz we we've, we've got the book coming out, uh Social Injustice and you're writing the, the chapter on abortion, which is really to in nowadays in America really the only justice issue that I would say of major importance. You know, like everybody's making big deals about everything else. Those are of minor importance if they're even issues at all, whereas this is like the primary issue of justice and and so you know if you just want to do a quick recap of like what you covered in your chapter um and then just so everybody knows too like uh we've got the book uh on its way dealing with the printer right now i'm hoping a couple of weeks max turnaround time but it's coming out soon i know it's taking longer than expected but i'm really glad that you know ken we had you on talking about this issue because nobody better really to talk about it than you <laughs> Well, well, that, that's that's very uh, kind words of you. But listen, I'm super excited about the book coming out, Social Injustice, and you put it all together, Brother Jeff. Uh, God gave you the idea, and you brought a lot of uh, great people together, and I'm honored to be a part of that group. And how exciting. It's about to come out. I've got friends that have pre-ordered the book and have been asking me about it. When's it coming out? I'm excited. And so... Um, we're getting super close, and 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 uh, we're going to try to get this book out. Every what a great book that you put together! So thank you for listening to the Lord, and and doing that. And you know, my chapter in there is really going to be. Uh, it is about how abortion is the slavery issue of our day. 
and Christians got to get this. If Christians don't get this, then the world's not going to get it. I mean, if the church can't get it, how's the world going to get it, right? So the church has got to get this from Beth Moore to J.D. Greer to uh, whoever. Um, they got to get that abortion is the slavery issue of our day, and it's worth li- it's worth living for. It's worth dying for. It's worth voting for. And uh, so that's what my chapter is primarily about, is abortion being the primary issue of our day. And nothing compares to it. Yeah. And, and, it, and if, if anybody wants to, you know, at least get some more information on the book, I think we're going to be opening up backup orders closer to like the release date because we closed down the pre-orders. But if you guys go to socialinjusticebook.com, we've got, we've got you know, information on it. Um, you guys can kind of read up on some of the other authors that we that we've got on you know with the book. We've got amazing people. We've got Andy Woods. We've got Brandon Howes. We've got Tom Littleton, uh, a friend of mine Ian Giotti. I mean, we've got all the rest of the GK guys. We've even got Michael Massey writing the forward. We've got a great lineup of people, and everybody's an expert in their field. And that's the thing that I was so excited to be you know, like, literally I asked everybody, what chapter do you want? And everybody got their chapter. Nobody had to pick a, nobody had to have a second choice. And to me, that's like totally God wor- working that out. And it's like, okay, this is, we, we got to do this. <laughs> well, thank God you did. And, and uh, I, I was, I'm just honored that group of people that you just mentioned uh, for the book, Social Injustice, I'm honored to be in that group, and I can't wait to, you know, of course, I've read my own chapter because I wrote it, right? But I can't wait to read everybody else's. It's, it's going to be a, a fantastic. I want to get a bunch of them for our church. We're going to have them out in the foyer and try to get our whole church reading that book. So thank you, Jeff for this great book about to come out, Social Injustice. Of course, it's 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 been a wild ride learn, learning all this kind of stuff and you know how to actually publish, a, how to publish a book, but... Uh, it, it, it's been fun and I'm, I'm really glad with how, with how, with how it's turned out, you know? So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really thank- proud of you, man. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm, re- I'm really glad, you know, to have you back on, have you a part of the book, um, and keep, keep up the good work. Cause I mean, you know, every, every time I turn around, I see, I see you on Twitter and you're, you're having another church service and people are jam packed in there. And it's just like, what, like you're what, 50, 50 people deep, you know, however many people wide it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's amazing. Thank you very much for the prayer and support. And if anyone wants to find out, you know, like some ideas, maybe God might be calling you to start a little worship service um, right there at your local butcher mill where they kill babies, um, then then please contact me. This is my passion now. This is, this is my heart. I want to see this spread all over America. So I'll do whatever I can to help. I can talk on the phone. I can fly out to where you're at. I would like to help anybody that would be interested in, in starting a worship service at their Planned Parenthood in their town. And so, um, yeah, thank you for the support. Thank you for the prayers across the nation. Thank you, Jeff. You've been one of my biggest uh, cheerleaders and one of my biggest supporters. And you've given me a lot of press by interviewing me now for the third time. <laughs> God bless you. You've been so kind. And so it's an honor once again to be on your show, brother. Yeah, definitely. Now, now, if people want to, you know, follow what you're doing and the Church of Planned Parenthood, how how can they do that? You know, website, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you bet. They can they can email me at Pastor Ken at cov dot church. That's c o v dot church. Pastor Ken at cov dot church. They can uh, find all about us at the Church at Planned Parenthood dot com. They can find me on Facebook. I'm known as Ken Valencia. It's my wife, Ken Valencia Peters. Or you can find my um, public page at uh, Pastor Ken um, Peters dash TCAP, which stands for uh, the Church at Planned Parenthood TCAP. So you can find me on Facebook. Email me. Um, we'd love we'd love to hear from you if you want to help me. If you want to help me across the United States and you feel that calling in your heart to to attack this baby murder uh, place called Planned Parenthood with praise and worship and prayer and preaching and giving, then please let me know you want to be a part and I'll do whatever I can to help you. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I totally encourage anybody, you know, make sure that you do reach out, reach out to Ken. If, you know, if you're like, you know, hey, we've got run around the corner. 
I'd like to start one up. I mean, nobody better to talk to than the guy who started the whole movement. So, I mean, you know, he, he knows how, he knows how to do it, I'd say. <laughs> you know, and, and by trial and error, just like you putting that book together, you know, I'd never done this before, but after over a year now, you kind of learn what to do, what not to do, and kind of what you got to watch out for. So, yeah, I, I've learned by making mistakes and just little by little as I've gone. And so I would love to uh, help anybody out that wants to do it. Definitely. So yeah, and and again, follow Ken over there. Uh, go to the website. You know, make sure you contact him if you have any questions or anything like that. Uh, I'm sure he'll be responding, and you know, more than more than happy to talk to you. Um, and then uh, for everybody else, make sure you guys uh, like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. To whether you're watching it here on Facebook, on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that kind of stuff. Um, it really, it really helps, and we're trying to put out good content, get great people like Ken and uh, other people that we've had on conversations with Jeff, and um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, we'll be back next week live. We're going to be trying to go for uh, the GK uh, plugged in members uh, only next week, uh, but next Wednesday, I believe at four o'clock, we'll be doing another conversations with Jeff, and we'll be going live stream members only. So make sure you guys head on over to gatekeepersonline.com/slash plugged in. Sign up, join. It really, it really helps us out. Um, but also, too, we're trying to provide more content for you guys, more information, um, without harassing you for donations because I don't want to do that. So, anyways, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much, Ken, for coming on here, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. 